Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast and Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. And today is 1179B, and one of my favorite guests of all time. He's just one of my favorite people of all time. And I got to go to Italy and watch him teach cooking. I did a little teaching of nutrition, but he did the majority of the teaching along with Silvestro. And we're going to have it again next year. It's on the Adriatic coast. And you can get there by going to awaitingtable.com, limited to 20 people. So sign up early. And since there are 50,000 of you downloading us today, please sign up early because Michael Crupain, our guest and the author of The Power Five, is not only a physician, but he is an outstanding teacher and I might say a great cook. Now, the first meal he cooked for me yes, he cooked for me, if you will, was in the studio when we were doing, I think, a Today Show together. And at noon, he said, I only eat one meal a day. And so he brought in some magnificent food. And one of those dishes, I think, has made it into the book. So I'm going to quiz him on which one he thinks it is. I'll tell him which one it is. Dr. Coupain was a neurosurgeon when he decided that on the opposite end of the spectrum, preventive medicine was for him, did a preventive medicine residency, went around the world learning from the best chefs and the best culinary institutes around the world and is now a executive vice president of a wellness, digital wellness company. And I'm wearing their shirt. It's ShareCare. And I'm wearing their shirt because I'm going to an Atlanta Hawks game today versus the Cavs. And I'm going to uh, cover this up so that no one can see <laughs> it because it is cold. And I'm going to cover it with a Cleveland Cavaliers shirt. But much more importantly than any of this, is the Power Five. So, Michael, how did you get the idea for the name, the Power Five, and what does it mean? Thanks, Mike, for that great introduction. So, the Power Five is my new book, and it's a cookbook. And it's, since I'm a preventive medicine physician, you said it's a healthy cookbook in quotes, right? Because it's really meant to be a delicious cookbook. And it really comes down to sort of changing the narrative of what you typically would hear from a physician or a nutrition expert, right? Usually here, don't eat this thing and avoid this thing. And I wanted to change that and empower the reader to actually eat more because it turns out we don't eat enough of certain foods associated with living a longer, healthier life. And those are the power five, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, whole grains, beans, and fish. And so the power five is about reclaiming that power for yourself to do more, to eat more, and to eat in a delicious way make these foods delicious all the time. So even the pickiest of people would want to eat them and improve your health. And you can kind of mix and match these, right? I mean, there, there, there's some variations that you have in there. And what we did is we cooked a number of these in Spain. and In Italy. In Italy. Jeez, I said Spain. <laughs> in Italy, I guess this one brought Spain to mind, but it is really an Italian dish. Cavatella 
pasta with mussels and beans. Now, why is that a great dish on the Adriatic? Oh, so many reasons. So it's a it's the place we went together was in Puglia, which is the southern most southern part of Italy, in the heel of the boot. And the particular area we were in is called the Salento, where the waiting table cooking school is. Where we have our collaboration, and that area is really cool because. The land there is such that they didn't ever really have a tradition of raising animals, making cheese, that they really developed a diet where they ate the power five foods, where they were really eating foraged wild greens, they were eating whole grains, they were eating beans, even their pasta, which we made together with our class. They add barley flour to the durum flour, which is also an, an ancient grain, to just make it more nutritious and whole wheat, because that's where they were getting their nutrition. So it's a really cool area for that reason. And then one of their primary protein sources besides beans, because they're in this little peninsula at the tip of that boot is seafood. And there's a town or a city called Taranto, which has a fascinating history of being controlled by all different civilizations throughout time. And it's a place where mussels happen to grow and happen to be absolutely <laughs> delicious. And so this particular dish is really uh, in the spirit of that region where you have the mussels that they eat quite regularly for protein. You have the beans that they eat quite regularly for protein and the pasta made with a whole grain you make by hand with a knife. And one of the fun things I learned about is what do they do with the mussel shells? What do they do with the mussel shells? I don't remember, Mike. What do they do with the mussel shells? That's how their bricks were made, ah. right? Well, yes. The land, I think it's the terrain there is all dependent on the stone that they have available to them. And that stone is a result of the sea and the mussels and all of the things that over time got into that stone to make it what it is today. So yeah, it's a cool place. I remember smoky eggplant with hummus. You know, you were making that probably when we first met probably 15 years ago. Well, yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like a lot of times we eat hummus in the United States, right, as just a sort of a, a dip with bread. But in Middle Eastern tradition, you actually have that hummus with other things mixed into it or on top of it. And a lot of times it's a, a meat, like a lamb or something. But I wanted to sort of recapture that in a plant-based way by using the eggplant, which is also common, but by making it smoky, like the way you might get grilled meat, by adding some smoked paprika and some other flavors, really capture that meatiness, I'd say, without, without the meat and, and using that eggplant. So that's a total plant-based dish with two of the power five. Actually, th three of the power five in that one because hummus is made with tahini, which is seeds, right? So you get nuts and seeds, beans, and fruits and vegetables. You got three out of the five. Let's talk about roast chicken with spicy scallion slaw. Tell us about this. What I'm going through is a few of the dishes, few of the beautiful dishes in the Power Five cookbook. I think there are 75 or more recipes in there. So I've, I've gone through a few of these recipes. This one is one that I've cooked myself, roast chicken with spicy scallion slaw. So roast chicken is technically not part of the Power Five because the Power Five are fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, whole grains, beans, and fish. I've got two extra chapters in the book on the foods that you don't necessarily need to eat more of, but you're going to eat anyway. And we call them the undeniables. And so there's a meat chapter and chicken being one of the healthiest types of meat you can eat. So this particular dish is a roast chicken and really important to me, I think, when you're 
roast it. Well, first is that you cook a whole chicken. <laughs> I think that's important because it turns out that when you cut up chickens into parts, it's not as sustainable as roasting a whole chicken because as farmers, it takes a lot of effort to raise a chicken more than you actually think if you raise it out on a pasture. And then I like to what, like salt the chicken or dry brine it. And so I would salt it in advance for a day, leave it in the refrigerator and let it kind of dry out. And then it's very forgiving when you end up cooking it. So it stays more juicy and then serve it with this slaw, which has a little bit of an Asian type of flair to it and helps you get some of those. It has some sesame seeds in it and some scallions and peppers. So you're getting two out of your five power five in that dish. It's really delicious, kind of refreshing. And a lot of the recipes in the book are inspired by other cultures other than sort of standard New York culture where I grew up. And it's really important to me that when you look around the world and you look at techniques and ingredients, that there's a lot we can learn and appreciate and bring back to make things healthier and more tasty. Now, this one, I don't think I've had. So I'm dying to either try it myself or have you do it. But whole wheat sourdough lasagna bread. What's that all about? <laughs> oh, that one looks really cool. That <laughs> Everyone's drawn to that dish. So one of the things that was important to me in the book was, again, we, we hear advice, like eat more whole grains, right? But actually, if you want to incorporate whole grains into your diet, it's actually not so easy. It's hard to find those recipes. And using whole wheat flour is also not so easy because your breads and things don't usually turn out the way you would want them to as if you just use white flour. Usually they're a lot tastier with white flour. So I spent a lot of time doing the research to figure out where can I get the flour and what types of whole wheat flour actually work best for different types of breads and how can I use different fermentation techniques to make them delicious. And so this is a sort of traditional Sicilian type of bread that wouldn't be made with whole wheat and would be made with a different type of cheese than I've used here. And I've sort of spent a lot of time developing the recipe so you could make this actually completely 100% whole wheat, not have to add sugar to make the whole wheat bread palatable, and then use a aged cheese, like a Parmesan cheese or a Pecorino cheese in the layers, because you can use a lot less of the cheese because it has a lot more flavor than if you used like a mozzarella, melty, bland type of cheese. So you're getting whole wheat, you're getting a little bit of cheese, but a, a better source, so less saturated fat. Now... One of the things I wondered about, and although you have a lot of it in the book, it's not one of the power five. Tell me how this fits, and it may fit fine, but what about olive oil? So olive oil is in just about every recipe in the book, but yeah, it's not one of the power five foods because I would have had to have a lot. I'd have to call it the power six or seven if I included everything. But yeah, I, I mean, olive oil is something we used a lot in Italy when we were there, right? We use the olive oil at the end of your cooking as a dressing because it has all those phytonutrients and flavor in it. And if you cook it, you lose a lot of that. Olive oil, obviously, is super healthy fat. I didn't call it one of the power five because it's in every single recipe. It's not one of the things that sort of the power five really comes from the literature, right? And the literature says that people aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, whole grains, beans, and fish. People tend to eat enough fat, not necessarily the right type of fat. So we just sort of include olive oil in every recipe, but don't call it out as one of the power five. And one of the things Sylvester taught me was where a tomato comes from. I didn't realize this, that it was really a... 
test question for you to see if you were listening while I was teaching that part of it. I don't know if I was, if I was listening. <laughs> that it's a, a fruit? It's a flower. It starts as a flower. Well, yeah, but all, all uh, vegetables sort of start as a flower. Did he teach us that? Yeah, anyway. Okay. <laughs> I missed that one. I guess I wasn't paying attention. I was drinking too much wine at the time that he told told us that. So you will have fun at theawaitingtable.com if you come there October 26th to November 4th or October or something like 26th to November 4th. It's the last week of October, how to eat eat and drink to live to be 100 is the name of our course. And uh, go to awaitingtable.com. But this one, I don't think, did we taste tomato semi-cured roasted steelhead trout? We did not, but I'd love to make that one for you. It's one of my favorite dishes, you know, so you love salmon and steelhead trout is a... Steelhead trout is also the other fish in America that has consistent omega-3s in them. That's right. Most fish have learned to eat corn and soy meal, so they don't have consistent omega-3s, but salmon and trout won't do it. So talk to us about steelhead trout. So steelhead is actually like the rainbow trout that's eventually turned into the steelhead trout. It has that pink flesh like salmon. It is rich in omega-3s. There are a lot of farm sources of it that do it in the right way. So I've got one actually here by me where I live in upstate New York that has a recirculating farm, one of the most sustainable ways you can grow fish, and they don't have any antibiotics or drugs added to it. It tends to be, I think, for some people, it maybe is a little, I think salmon's the most delicious fish and a mild tasting fish, but I think some people who maybe say salmon's too much for me would like steelhead a little bit better. And what I like to do with the fish in the recipe is similar to the way I would cook chicken. I would season it in advance and let it sit before I cook it. So I would season it with some salt and in this case, some tomato powder that you can either buy or you can make yourself from drying up some tomatoes, some other spices. It sort of cures a little bit like you're making, you know, lox or something. You don't cook it. You don't leave it that long. So it becomes like that, but it starts to firm up a little bit and absorb some of that flavor. And then you roast it really slow just to being perfectly done, like 115, 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you end up with this incredibly flavorful, right textured fish that's just absolutely delicious. And we've got a couple of different variations on that in the cookbook. I should remind people we're talking with Dr. Michael Crupane. The book is The Power of Five. 75 plus recipes that will make you live longer and younger, less disability, longer, and that taste delicious, and that are always able to be made in one night, other than curing, so some preparation for it. Most of the recipes are super straightforward. They have very few ingredients. There's a few that are a bit of a project, but that's the minority of them. It's because the book is very much, very personally, it's very much the way I eat, and I usually eat really simply, but every once in a while, I like a project. And Michael, now tell us about desserts. Are there any desserts in the book? There's quite a few desserts in the book. I uh, Desserts are important to me. That was a softball <laughs> question, eh? <Yeah>. Hey? <laughs> desserts are important to me. I be When I was in medical school and before medical school, I used to work with a pastry chef. So I love making dessert. And in the book, I wanted to make sure I had desserts that were absolutely delicious. So there's a sugar chapter. It's one of those undeniables. I think desserts are something for a special occasion. In the book, I've made all the desserts again with whole wheat flour that need flour. I've taken out butter and used olive oil instead, one of the, the secret power six food. 
and have actually cut the sugar and replaced a lot of that sort of normal sugar, typically with fruit or something else that has sweetness and brings out all that great flavor. And you won't think that these are desserts that you're missing anything. These desserts are absolutely delicious. We've been talking with Dr. Michael Crupain, author of The Power Five. I'm going to have him back to talk a little more about recipes in a future segment. But The Power Five are five great foods, fruits and vegetables. Let's see if I can remember them. Nuts and seeds, whole grains, seafood, and beans. You got it. So I got all, I got, I did remember all five because they are things I eat all the time. I add olive oil and a few other things to them, but he adds them in every recipe. So we'll give him the power six and the power seven. But the book is The Power Five from a great physician as well as a wonderful friend and a not too horrible, actually a sensational cook. Thanks, Mike, for all the time in Italy. You will want to have fun. It was just a great time in Italy, awaitingtable.com. In the meantime, I should tell you this program is sponsored by Life's First Naturals. Go to their website, lifesfirstnaturals.com, to see the information about TrueBiotics and bovine colostrum, or go to our website, longevityplaybook.com. Mike Crupain, thank you very much for the Power Five. I expect when the next time we meet to get the steelhead trout because I haven't had that recipe. So I'm counting on that. This has been 1179B. The bees are always wonderful guests. And Dr. Greg Hammer was 78. 77, Richard Johnson talking about why fructose may be the cause of a lot more than just excess calories and sweetness in our food. And 1176 was Building Your Family, which surprised me how good it was. So these are four in a row that you'll want to share with your family on great guests. Thanks again for listening. You're the reason we do this. Tell your friends about us. Feel free to rate us. And especially if we get a five plus. We'll be back next week. We hope you are.